Uh, let's go to Luke chapter number one. Um, you know, we've been making our way each week since the last Sunday in, in November. When we looked at the word, the Logos in John chapter number one, Jesus Christ uh, came. Matter of fact, verse 14 of John chapter number one, it said in the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus Christ, we knew he was going to come, prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, slain before the foundation of the world, before its beginning, so we knew that he was coming. But then last Sunday morning, we looked at an, another interesting aspect to this time of the year, and that is why Bethlehem? Why in the world was Jesus born in the city of Bethlehem? For most, uh, very... Um, Nothing special about Bethlehem. Matter of fact, uh, it's to the west of, of Jerusalem and just really not a whole lot of significance to Bethlehem with the exception of that's where David was from. And so now all of a sudden as you begin to connect all of the dots and go back and you look at the prophets, matter of fact, the prophet Micah in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2 prophesied very specifically that he would be born in the city of Bethlehem, Ephrata, identifying the region that Bethlehem was, because it was not the only Bethlehem. There was a Bethlehem in the Galilean region as well. And so Bethlehem, Ephrata specified its location exactly as it would be the city of David. One of the other things that we know from Old Testament prophets is this, that there would be a root that would come up, uh, out of the stem of Jesse. And so, of course, David's father was Jesse. And so we see as all of Scripture, as it's all put together, uh, over 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years. And so as all of these have spoken, the prophecies that are actually brought and fulfilled were prophesied 700 years before. But they all took place and they all happened just the way they were supposed to. Well, we come down to, a, to another interesting character uh, that we're given a little bit of insight into, and that is to Zacharias. He's interesting. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you've opened them to Luke chapter 1 because we will be in verse 68 down through verse 80. If you know anything about Zacharias, yes, this is the one who... Him and Elizabeth had not had any children, and so they prayed and asked for one, unbeknownst to them that the child that they were going to be given, the child that Elizabeth would deliver, would be none other, none other than John the Baptist, okay? And so now you've got John the Baptist, you've got the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and so Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist, and we know kind of what occurred prior to verse 68 of Luke chapter number 1, and what happened with Zacharias while he was in the temple, performing his uh, priestly duties and functions. But we come to verse 68, and things just kind of proceed forward, actually verse 67 and that is where we're going to actually pick up. Now, I, I just want to just share something with you. Not only is his wife, Elizabeth, going to give birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, but he is also going to, at this same moment in time, 
going to bring an announcement concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and his own son being the forerunner of the Christ. Imagine being Zacharias. And just the magnitude of what he is involved in at this particular place and in this particular time. But in verse 67 of Luke chapter number 1, we find these words, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. And so what is it that he prophesied? What is it that is so important about this passage of Scripture? Well, Zacharias praises God for filling his covenant promise, the very covenant promise that was made to Abraham, and bringing to Israel a Savior, Jesus Christ himself who would be born, Jesus Christ who we know so well is the one who that would come through. So all of the events surrounding the Messiah have now been set in motion. And understanding and realizing even the relationship between Elizabeth and Mary, and with Elizabeth and Mary being cousins, and so all of this is, is going to unfold is just kind of sometimes it's amazing when we think about God bringing all of this together. And one of the things that I want you to understand, it is God who is orchestrating all of this, not man. It's not a coincidence. It's not a matter of God just thinking, oh, no, we've got to do something to try to rescue man that created. What in the world are we going to do at this point? This is not an afterthought with God. Every bit of this has been planned out specifically to the very location that he was born, to the very one who would be the forerunner of the Messiah. John the Baptist, and all of those things that would pertain to this forerunner of Jesus Christ and the message that he would even deliver. So now all of the events are set in motion. Elizabeth, she will give birth. Uh, she gives birth to John the Baptist that we have recorded in, in, in chapter 1 as well, all the way up to the prophesy and the prophecy that we see in in Zechariah. But you know, it's interesting to note something else though. God's saving visitation not only begins this passage of scripture with Zechariah, but he also ends it with the same. So as you look at verse 68, you will notice as Zechariah speaks about this visitation, and then you come down to verse 78 and you see it again with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. As he connects the two of those together. So one of the things that Zechariah does, and let me say this about this passage of Scripture. This is also known as a hymn of thanksgiving called the Benedictus. And so as Zacharias offers up this praise and as he offers up this thanksgiving, on behalf of this Savior that would be born, on behalf of this forerunner that would come and precede and declare the day of the Lord, all of this Zacharias is going to be a part of. Beginning and ending with the visitation of Jesus Christ. There's four things I want to share with you out of this passage of Scripture this morning. And here's the first one. And we see the bringing of salvation. Beginning in verse 67 and verse 68, we'll just make our way down through here. A lot of people wonder, who in the world was Zacharias to begin with? Well, he is actually of 
the ministry arena of Abijah from the 8th division of priests that was set aside by David. And so that's who Zacharias is, ministering in the temple, performing all of those things that he was required to do. But we come about to this very first point, and that's the bringing in of salvation. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. All of this time of silence and all of this time that they have not heard from, from God at all, at this, at this moment in time, this visitation is going to occur. God is going to visit his people once again. And he's going to visit his people once again through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be born to bring about what? To bring salvation. And John himself, who will be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, as he saw Jesus Christ the day as he was coming over the hillside, and as John the Baptist looked up towards Jesus walking that way, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's why he came. That's why he was born in the city of Bethlehem. Such an insignificant city that most of us think about. But let me say something to you. What we also find in the Word of God, even though it seems insignificant, it was not the least. It was not insignificant at all because it was the very birthplace of our Savior, Jesus Christ himself. So just as the king of David comes from the city of Bethlehem, so the king of kings also comes from the city of Bethlehem. Visitation, the bringing of a Savior that would absolutely change, change for us as we know it today, unlike anything that we had ever witnessed before. And the proclamation is made in verse 69 that this king is at hand. So when you look at verse 69, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. So this king has come, prophesied that a king would come. Matter of fact, a counselor, wonderful, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. All of these declarations of Jesus Christ And all he would embody is he comes. But we also find something else significant, not only in the bringing of salvation, but we find that it's also fulfilled through David. And that was very important. The Messiah would be Israel's horn of salvation. As a matter of fact, that word horn in verse 69 is actually, it comes from a Hebrew metaphor for power and for might. This would not just be any king that is born that comes from the city of Bethlehem. It would not just be any run-of-the-mill individual. It would be with the one that would have power and that would have might. Jesus Christ himself, the king of kings, that's who's coming. And Zacharias is making this proclamation and this hymn of thanksgiving as he offers all of this up for what God has in store for them. Basically, God is doing what he promised, and he knew that his word, Zacharias knew that his word would come to pass. Consider this. How about Elizabeth? What about the things that Zacharias had seen up to this point? 
understanding and knowing and realizing with all assurity that God would accomplish exactly what he said that he would accomplish. Has he? Yes. Did he? Yes. Exactly the way the scripture said that it would happen, he did. Zechariah offers up the thanksgiving for all of this. You see, there's something far more important here that I want you to understand this morning. The promise involves rescue. It's it's a rescue promise. A rescue from what perspective? God will save his people from their enemies and from all who hate them. Matter of fact, it's a a story of rescue. It's It's a story of light. As we think about Christmas and this time of the year and All of the lights and all of the tinsel and everything that we see that just lights up all of the sky for us and all of the neighborhoods and all of the stores and all of the lights. But let me say something to you this morning. The coming of Jesus Christ, as Zacharias shares, this visitation of salvation that is coming. The light that will bring light to the darkness and the evil of the world. This one, Jesus Christ, through the house of David, his servant. And my dear friend, listen to me. That was prophesied that it would occur that way. It had to be that way. That's the way God laid and put all of this together. That he would come through the line of Judah, the house of David. Specifically, the way God designed all of it to occur in his sovereignty. We also have a third thing that I want you to think about with me this morning. God remembers his covenant. He does not forget his covenant. He remembers his covenant. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Zacharias is going to do is he's going to make reference to that covenant. If you look down at verse 70 through verse 75, I want you to notice his He reflects on this. He said, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. You ought to underline that. To remember his holy covenant. God does not forget the covenant. God does not forget his covenant that he makes. The Abrahamic covenant, he's going all the way back to the covenant that he made with Abraham. And my dear friend, listen to me, he has not forgotten any of those. The Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, all of those that that God does not forget, nor will he forget. Verse 73, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days, all of our days, all the days of our lives, all of our days. It's so significant about this statement that that Zacharias has made here. Well, It's pretty significant when you consider his words. This salvation that Zacharias is referring to here reflects the mercy of God and the covenant that he made with Abraham. Aren't you thankful today that God's a merciful God? We should be, that he's a God of love. He's a God of grace. 
He's a God of mercy. Even Jeremiah the prophet, in Lamentations chapter number 3, in the Lamentations of Jeremiah, we find located in chapter 3 of Lamentations that his mercies are new every single morning. The mercy of God. Aren't you thankful today for the mercy of God? I am. God not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thereby given his son, born in the city of Bethlehem. As all of this unfolds. And I know for us, for many of us today, it's almost, it's like it's become old hat to us. And let me tell you why, because we hear it year after year after year after year after year after year. And let me say something this morning. If we're not careful, it can become just that. It's just something we do. But do we fully and truly understand the impact of what Zacharias is laying out here as he offers up this hymn of thanksgiving, this benedictus over the visitation of God himself to bring salvation to a lost and dying world through Jesus Christ. I know it's easy too. Somebody told me the older you get, the more set you get in your ways. I don't think that's true. Any of our older folks here, are you that way? How many of you are set? Go ahead. You can raise your hand if you want to. Whether you raise your hand or not, God knows your heart anyway. We get set in our ways, don't we? Let me say something else. One of the things that you will notice is things get more routine. And as things kind of get, it's just what we've always done. Let me share something with you. If we're not careful, that's the way they become. I said this year, I said I was looking at a preaching series up and leading up to Christmas Day. I said, you know, we always go down these same paths. And we always talk about, you know, Mary and Joseph, and we always talk about the virgin birth, and, and we talk about Mary and all of these things. We talk about Joseph, what it must have been like for Joseph to have heard from the angel and to understand the ramifications that it had in the day that, jo- that Joseph was living, and for Mary herself. And, and we tend to look at all of those things. And we look at it strictly from that, and we've heard it over and over and over and over again. I don't know if you understand the magnitude of what Zacharias is laying out here. They've not heard from God. 400 years has passed as we move from the old to the new, to the birth of Jesus Christ. God is going to visit his people once again. And I'm thankful today that God has visited his people through Jesus Christ. He's still here. And my dear friend, if I could encourage your hearts with something this year, do not let it become mundane and old. It ought to be as refreshing to us. It ought to be as new to us. It ought to be absolutely heart encouraging as we consider what we have and what we're going to celebrate and what all of the world's going to celebrate in the next few days as we move closer to Christmas. 
somebody came to me today and they said, do you realize there's only 14 more days till Christmas? I said, huh? 14 days. I said, where's the time go? But if I can encourage you this year with something, let me encourage your heart with this. Consider this, the bringing of salvation. Number two, the fulfilling of all of this through David, through the prophets. Number three, that God remembers his covenant. God remembers his promises. God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's who he is. That's who he is. Verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Why? That we can serve him with what? Without fear. Righteousness and holiness all of our days. You see, the coming of Jesus Christ brought with it the fulfillment of the covenant promises God made to Abraham and to the fathers. Matter of fact, if you'll hold your place right here in Luke chapter 1 and go back to Genesis chapter 12. And you can see the covenant that was made with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. And now the Lord said to Abram, this is before his name is changed to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, he said, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. He told Abraham, he said, I want you to depart. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to go into a country that I will tell you. Doesn't even know where he is going at this point other than that that it's what God has instructed. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And now watch this. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He told Abraham, he said, you will become like stars, countless, without number. The very covenant that God made with Abraham, one of the things that we can rest assured in today, in its final fulfillment that is yet to come, you can rest assured it's going to happen. And it's going to happen and occur just the way that God said that it was going to. So at this time of the year, when we look at all of the festivities that's going around, You know, one of the things we need to do sometimes is just kind of step back and pause and and just really consider who it is we're celebrating, what it is we're celebrating in our own hearts and in our own lives. And then number four this morning, and that's living in the light. It's living in the light. You see all these lights of y'all, um, 
I don't know if you do it now. How many of y'all kind of load up the car and you go driving around looking at Christmas lights? Anybody in here? Load everybody up. How many of you older adults, you still do it today? <laughs> okay. Sure, it's things we used to do. I mean, I, 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 re- I remember this. We used to take ours, load them all up in the car, and we'd go head out, and we knew the stops to go make to see all of the Christmas lights. But you had to wait till it got dark because that's when you could really see the light and the intensity of it. Light of the world, Jesus Christ Himself, in all of the darkness, the light comes to share and to spread light where it needs to be. Living in the light. The picture that we find here in verse 76 through verse 79. Is of a world that is cloaked in darkness and death. Desperate for someone to lead it into light and life. Desperate. You ever wonder why it's dark? The Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Darkness hides things. Darkness covers things. Jesus Christ come to bring light and life. And so as we look at verse 76 through verse 79, notice what it says. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. So in other words, someone is going to come prepare the way, to set the path for the light that is coming. None other than John the Baptist himself. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of of their sins, because of the tender mercy of your God. You ought to underline it, because of the tender mercy of your God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, speaking of Jesus Christ, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You see, for Zacharias, for John the Baptist, for Zacharias, here's what he saw. He saw this, this rescue is Messiah's mission. It's, it's, the, it's the mission of the Messiah to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. I mean, I've often wondered what it must have been like for John the Baptist to have been the one to prepare the way of this one that was coming and absolutely to draw all of the attention to Jesus Christ and not to himself. So he shared the message of to be baptized for the remittance of sin, known as John's baptism, is everything within the world has now changed as Jesus Christ comes on the scene. So as we see in verse 78, once his day dawns, 
the light of the sun never sets. He is the one who guides our feet into the path of peace. You read the book of the Revelation, as you look at the New Jerusalem, we see that there is no need of sun there because you don't need the physical sun anymore because the sun is because the sun is the light. That is what is so important here as we consider the sunrise from on high will visit us. Modern technology, I thought somebody was trying to tell me something in my ear in my earpiece right here. Not the case. But the significance of what Zechariah delivers in this hymn of thanksgiving. Let me tell you something. I've spent a lot of time, I've spent the last two weeks just in these verses, looking at each part of it, realizing and understanding. Just what we have through Jesus Christ. You know, even the righteous Zacharias, because when you go back to the first part of chapter 1 and you look at verse number 6, we see this testimony of Zacharias. And they were both righteous in the sight of God walking blamelessly in all of the commandments and the requirements of the Lord of the Lord that's who they were and so even the righteous Zacharias recognizes the need to be totally dependent on the one that God will send and so for us my dear friend nothing's any different nothing has changed today this is a place we need to come to that we realize that our absolute total dependence should be on the very one that has been sent for us. You can't do it yourself. You can't buy your way there. You can't work your way there. And I hate to tell you this, it doesn't matter what your last name is, of your family name or what church your name may be on the roll of. It's only through... Jesus Christ. For me this morning to make just a statement to to you and to those who are watching online. The only true journey in life, the only true journey in life is the one taken in the hands of God. Verse 79, to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's who he is. That's who he is. So in all the glitter and all the lights and all of the festivities and all the celebration and all of the get-togethers, Please stop and think for just a moment that the only reason that all of this is happening is because of the celebration surrounding 
the very birth of Jesus Christ himself. Verse 80. This chapter 1 concludes, And the child continued to grow and become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Lived in the deserts until such time that the sun appeared. And when he appeared, he was born. The news began to travel. Jesus Christ went to see John. Baptized there in the Jordan River to forever change the day. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your do you know this one who came? Do you know this one that was born in the city of David? Do you know this one that Zacharias is making the proclamation about here, offering up the hymn of thanksgiving for? Do you know him personally today? There are a lot of people who are going to be involved in celebrations all throughout the next few few days and few weeks. Who will only be celebrating the physical lights you can see without celebrating the very light of the world himself. So let's do this this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Red to come, and here's what I want us to do. I don't want us to stand and sing any of those things, right? I'm going to have Jenny play in just a moment and Brother Red to come. We'll close out the service in a, in a few moments, but here's what I want us to do. I want us to take some time this morning to offer up a thanksgiving out of our own hearts. Out of our own hearts. There's not a person sitting in this auditorium this morning that would have to take out a sheet of paper and leave it blank because you had nothing to write on that sheet of paper in thanksgiving to God for what he's done for you. How often do we spend time praying? Is it we always pray to ask for things? What if we ever stopped and just offered up a prayer of thanksgiving such as Zacharias did for what was coming and what he saw? And so this morning, I'd like for us in this auditorium some time to pray this morning. Offer up a hymn of thanksgiving ourselves, not to ask for anything, just to offer up thanksgiving.